Are you happy? Magic Seeds takes a good look at everyday challenges and gives solid advice on how to navigate through them, be it relationships, career, parenting, or just not feeling happy inside. I'm Dr. Adam Grise. And I'm Laura Grise. Please join us weekly to discuss everyday situations that seem to be getting in the way of feeling happy and peaceful. We'll provide magic seeds and a reliable roadmap for you to follow to stay on a healthy path for your life. Welcome back to Magic Seeds. Today, we are talking about change. Change. Uh, change is good. Change is effective. Change is... Uncomfortable. No. Yes. It's just not. Okay, well, you're the... <laughs> you're, you're the change is lovely. You are the extreme that we're talking about today on one side of it. There's two extremes, right? Everything in life, especially coming from an Eastern perspective, is about balance. Right. And when you have balance, it doesn't mean you're just vanilla in the middle. It means you need to work both sides. So if you have one extreme, you're probably going to need the other extreme. And you never want to veer too much on one side. And you always want to come back to the middle. And change is necessary. I mean, it's not just necessary. It's part of life, right? I mean, there's just... What are you? I'm balanced in every way possible. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm so Buddha. balanced. I go both ways. You know about me. I can be impulsive and I'm moving to San Diego. That's it. Can you be impulsive? Oh, <laughs> can't I? No, you overthink everything, actually. A lot of things. Everything. From the time I was a child, like I couldn't go to a restaurant and order food, like yes. for sure. Like small decisions I used to. <laughs> oh, I remember when I was so immature and I couldn't make up my mind. The point is, I guess, I don't even have a point, but there's no right or wrong answer for things. You it's know, just balance. It always comes back to balance, doesn't it? It does. And for making decisions, you know, like to be impulsive and to go through change, I mean, for someone like me who's more resistant to change and wants to make sure the the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted and I know what's up. I know what I'm stepping into. Yes. And um, I'm the exact opposite because I don't care if those T's are dotted or the T's are crossed <laughs> or the I's are dotted. I could have the I's crossed and the T's dotted. I, I know. Care. It drives me crazy. <laughs> but there's definitely a fine line. There's definitely a balance because I get so sick of myself sometimes because I'm getting bogged down mm -hmm. and because I'm getting lost in the details and I never allow life to progress into just the full, expansive expression of just engaging in life, right? right? It is like too controlling. And that's one aspect, you know, change is happening, right? Look around. I mean, you can't stop nature spring to summer to harvest to autumn to winter back to spring like that's why I embrace it you right? have to embrace there's nothing it. you can do you're saying embrace it but there's also the the, the imbalance means. which isn't just I like oh embrace change. it it's like right i need I, I, need, I i need change to thrive i really really do i get bored very easily and i crave it i do i could be sitting there and think oh yep i need a major change in my life and then i go and make a storm happen <laughs> so if you break it down, I see everything, of course, in the cycles of nature and someone like myself who gets so stuck in spring in the details before you get that full expansion. I mean, summer is just awesome outer engagement of life. It's mm -hmm. joy, it's intimacy, it's full interaction. And 
when you get stuck in the details, I never get to feel that joy. I remember as a kid, you know, I was like, I don't feel joy. I look around, everyone else is having fun. I was not having fun because my mind is thinking, processing, thinking, processing. Right. So people like me, we don't get to feel that explosion of warmth in our lives because we're just overthinking things, overanalyzing. Someone like you, and you resist the winter. You resist going the stillness mm -hmm. and going inwards. And the beauty of that is when you can go in long enough, you develop deeper roots. Mm -hmm. You get nourished and get nourished in a more deep sense. So when it is time for that newness and that excitement and that change, you don't have a root system to allow the integrity of future growth. Right. So you end up doing things that are more short-lived and you don't get to... Superficial. It's more superficial. Right. And then it just, then before it even could dig deep roots, you get bored because it, like, a, like just a regular apple tree or a fruit tree, it doesn't deliver fruit the first year, the first cycle. It has to go through that full cycle. It has to go through that deepening process before it has enough to offer fruit. And people that can't go through those winters, they never get the fruit. And they're always searching, searching, searching for something new because mm -hmm. they're looking for fruit, right? They're looking for an outcome. What about on the other end? Well, I'm saying on the other end, is I never get to, I mean, you need a full summer to allow the fruit to happen, right. right? You need a tree or a flower has to reveal its full color and its full scent to attract the pollinators. It's the pollination process that delivers the fruit. So if you don't allow your leaves or your flowers, your petals to blossom, you can't get pollinated. Right. And so you end up not getting, you get very muted outcome and you're like, oh, I need to plan even more. That didn't work. Right. Right. So on your end, you're like, oh, I need to have something new. This didn't work out. The mind's like, I need to plan even more. This didn't work out. And, you know, neither is, neither. neither is good. If you can allow for both, if I can let go and just allow life to happen. So, you know, I don't know what this outcome is going to bring. It might not be perfect. Right. It might not be what I'm looking for, but I need the full expression. I need to just let go not care how I'm being judged, not care if it's going to work out, not care if I'm going to be laughed at, if I'm going to look at, I'm not going to judge myself as a failure or a success even. Just enjoy the act of being able to engage fully in life, to start leaning into that, getting comfortable with that lack of control, which feels very uncomfortable. Someone that wants control, it's, it feels like you're free falling it's, off of a cliff. But it's like a scared little puppy, like you don't move. Right. You know, you're paralyzed in a sense. Paralyzed. Right. You're totally paralyzed. And then you don't create that momentum. And so that's from someone like me, someone like you. It's can you sit there in no. the boredom, in no. the stillness? No. And there's nothing to even do. And to trust that if you stay there, nature never stops moving forward. You will get your spring but let it come from within and don't manufacture it but it's artificially. Not soon enough. That's why you moved somewhere like San Diego where you get it all the time. Right. People <laughs> can't go deep in general. Like that's like the type of person that never wants to go as deep because, oh, let me go to San Diego. This is easy. This is, this works for me, right? This seems more aligned. Right. Where people that want to be caught in their head all the time will move to places where they can get lost in processes. Interesting. And so the magic seed for today is talking about what that looks like, how to, depending on who you are, what version you are here in that world of change, do you or resist in it? Between. Are you balanced? Are you balanced? I right. mean, if you're balanced, 
this probably won't be a significant magic seed for you because you already do it. <laughs> so you have already turned us off. <laughs> <laughs> like I have changed the podcast. <laughs> so yeah, the magic seed is basically coming down to change is inevitable. And to allow it to come from within is to trust. Basically, it comes down to trust. Can you trust the stillness that you're not going to die there? You're not going to suffocate there. Can I trust I can be free and just be impulsive, just start living and trust that I have enough of a blueprint to follow that I'm not going to be destructive or have no reverence? You know, just to trust allows that change because change is uncertainty. Trust what? Trust that we're part of something that is or taking- trust in yourself. Like no, no. I mean, then. that's kind of, no, because if I trust in myself, myself wants to control it. If you trust in yourself, yourself tells you, you get the inner impulse, must create change. You can't trust mm-hmm. yourself. I can't trust myself. You can't trust yourself. The point is, can we trust that nature is much bigger than us? Right now, there are countless processes going on inside our body. We're not doing it. We're not maintaining homeostasis. We're doing very little to keep ourselves alive, but we give ourselves an overinflated sense of importance of what we're doing. Like, I'm going to do that. I'm going to eat this. Our bodies are so wired to maintain homeostasis. We just get in the way most of the time. And yes, we have to take a role, take a part. And that becomes the nuance of life. How do I use my energy? How do I use the 100% potential energy I have and turn it into kinetic, working with life rather than trying to control life right. for you, trying to speed it up, for me trying to slow it down, mm-hmm. right? That's what it all comes down to. So someone like me, it's getting comfortable practicing, exercising, that letting go, feeling out of control. For you, it's feeling stagnant. And if you can practice that little by little, you start getting more comfortable in those realms. And then when you get more comfortable there, you allow that nature's flow to guide us, to take us forward. How do you let go and how do you sit there in stillness different ways? Well, no matter what, if you know what you're trying to do, if I know I'm trying to create movement, I want to just go from spring, from planning into doing, Mm -hmm. then I know my action has to be just to go for it. I know that when I want to go for it, my mind is going to come up with a million reasons why I'm not quite ready. I could do a little bit more planning. That's not right. Not perfect. And so when I hit that resistance, that inner resistance, it's to turn towards that resistance. I'm not going to get rid of that. Resistance isn't going to go away by itself. Mm -hmm. I can't override it. I don't want to be in a fight with it either. Mm -hmm. So it's to turn towards it and to give it a release, right? To This is practicing in autumn, right? Releasing where we're at, releasing resistance, releasing residue that isn't serving us of what we're trying to produce. So if I have resistant energy to moving forward, I need to turn towards it and have my release. I need to do that, whatever that is for me, right? If it's- What is that for you? For me, it's a temper tantrum like, oh no, everything's going to screw up. Everything's going to get, ah, I don't like this. Ah, I'm not, this isn't going to be a good product. People aren't going to like this. This isn't going to have an effect or I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, Just whatever it is, I need to go through that temper tantrum and I just start reeling it off all of my insecurities, all of my fears, I give it life, I give it voice, and I do it with the emotion behind it, with the panic behind it, or with the control behind it, until I've exhausted it. 
And when it's exhausted, it doesn't mean I've changed on a cellular level, but it does mean I no longer, that resistance is tired. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, when I look at my life, I can see now, I remember my objective was I need to move forward. All of a sudden, there's much less resistance to moving forward. And it seems easier. Not because anything has changed other than that little voice that tries to keep me, quote unquote, safe. I exhausted. Mm-hmm. And so I get a little reprieve while that voice has to take a nap where I can start moving forward and allowing myself to just go for it. And it always feels invigorating once I do it, but it has to get, I have to get past that voice. So instead of being in a fight with that voice or trying to convince that voice that this is good and we need to be more free, no, I need to just quiet that voice down by exhausting it. And then lo and behold, the voice is going to come back. And after I do that, say 20, 30 times, 100 times, when that voice comes back each time, what will have happened in the interim is I'll have spent more time actually living in a summer, actually living being myself. So when that voice comes back, it's like, hey, I'm getting kind of used to that fun we've been having and everything is kind of working out. And even when it doesn't, we know how to game plan around that. We can adjust, we can accommodate to that. So little by little, where that inner voice that used to come that was resisting starts getting more comfortable and habituating to the energy, to the momentum of life when it moves a little bit faster. And then there's less resistance and that's how you move there for you. You know what? Actually, I'm just, I'm remembering what many, many years ago. So what, 15, 20 years ago, I recognized that I needed change all the time. And I also wasn't with that change. I also wasn't completing things, right? I wasn't writing things out, finishing things. So I made myself, I had this little townhouse condo and I had this little area in the front that I could plant. And I made sure I didn't put any already full-grown plants in there. I made sure I started everything from seeds. It was ridiculous. It was silly because every morning I'd run downstairs and open up the door. I mean, I'm talking, you know, two, three days after. Is anything growing (laughs) yet? (laughs) But it just practiced my patience. I knew I was very impatient. But after a while, then, yeah, everything started growing and it was beautiful and maintaining it. But that the act of, and I still do that. I still plant seeds now, you know, just to slow myself down and to have some reverence and have patience and not need that instant, well, I guess the instant gratification, I guess that kind of ties into it, right? Mm -hmm. For people like me. So that was a nice practice also for me. I do the yoga and meditation that helps me with sitting in stillness, the meditation itself. How do you get past that initial resistance? I don't. I steamroll it. (laughs) there's a lot of people like you know the feeling like where you know you're working with someone and you're like well i kind of feel that you need to slow down and you do yoga and you're like i can't do yoga because when i do it i'm just so frustrated and it's just ah it's so boring and it's like so even when obviously it's taking someone into their place of discomfort is difficult right you know when you get through to the other side you're like oh this is amazing it opens up so much but how do you do that a few different things I recommend taking a walk because that's slower than hitting the gym or going out for a bike ride or going out for a run. The walk is just slower. And again, you don't hit the finish line until later. It really, for me, I love to walk, but sometimes like, oh, if I just ran this, I would be done with this, you know? So that's one way. And I do think breathing, no, an active breathing exercise, not just breathing, but you know, you put 15, 10, 15, 20 minutes aside 
to actively breathe. And so, you know, you and I do the Wim Hof app every morning. Sometimes we do it twice in a day. I haven't done twice in a day in a long time, but that holds me accountable to the breathing portion and aspect. And again, all I want to do is be done, but it makes you actually go through literally every breath and be reverent in the process. Meditation is a huge one. I mean, if you can't sit there for five minutes and meditate, you know, you've got something going on, some issues. (laughs) And that used to be me. I could never do yoga. I could never meditate. My mom always wanted me to do yoga and most definitely could never do Shavasana. I would leave class because it was a waste of my time. Coming from the injury you sustained and you know, you're told you're never going to walk again and you can't move your body at first. And there's this panic that sets in, like, got to keep moving. Yes. I mean, it plays into... Every day. For you, it's... <laughs> Every day, definitely. <laughs> but our listeners don't know about that, I don't no. think. So I had a C5, C6 spinal cord injury and was paralyzed from my neck down. So this was close to 30 years ago. And obviously, I had layers and layers and layers of processing and setbacks and whatever. I mean, I'm walking today and... You know, very, very blessed, but there is definitely not a day, not a time where I'm not reminded of that. Or, you know, just when I walk, when I get up from a chair and just walk, you know, everything is slower and slower to actually move. And I have to think about moving. And nighttime is a freak out point for me because I'm laying there in stillness. How much does that mess with you? Because everyone has their own reason for not wanting to be still. And most of the time, it's because it, when we're still, it brings stuff up. How many people are like, well, I'm fine during the day, but as soon as I lay down at night, ah, like the head starts turning. It's like yeah. all the unprocessed stuff. I mean, that's- That's me. Yes. What do I do about that? What do you say to people? It's like, like, I know I should be still. I know I should allow that replenishment period and that to get some perspective and some distance from my life and to disconnect so I can re-engage it from a fresh place. People understand the concept, but when they're actually confronted with doing it, it's so uncomfortable because everything that's been unresolved, it's like never taking out the garbage. I don't want to take out the garbage. I don't want to take out the garbage. I don't want to take out the garbage. And then a year later, you're like, okay, they're like, I know my house stinks. <laughs> Definitely. I know I need to take I out the garbage. Move. <laughs> I can't move. And like, I got to take out the garbage. But then when they start the project, they're like, this is overwhelming. First of all, it's not just tidy bags anymore. It's just seems way too big of a mess. I'd rather just enjoy this moment. How do you convince people to put in that work on the front end? Because what they're going to get on the back end is going to be, you know, worth it tenfold. But how do you convince people to go through that discomfort of allowing what's inside to come up? let alone the discomfort of it, but the realizations we have. That's a good question, but I think there are a couple of things. You know, I always say that a person isn't ready until they're ready. So unless they are really, really ready, you do what you want to do. You make things, but I'm just saying, unless they are absolutely ready to go through their baggage. But that's bogus. Well, hang on, that's one thing. And the next thing I think it holds a lot of weight is I think my story in general, that people can see, you know, that I've gone through the process and they then say, they feel a relief in that. And they say, well, you know, she's doing it or she did it. Okay, maybe I can let go a little bit and go through the process as well and let me be their guide. I'm not saying that from an ego standpoint, I'm just 
I think it's legitimate. Oh, no, totally. You're so great at what you do, if I can say that objectively, but in part because you walk the walk and you've gone through it. So there you have some substance to what you say. But I mean, when people, you know, there's definitely people that come in and they're like, oh, they're not ready to, to do it. You know, and I don't pay attention to them. <laughs> that's fine. But if we're just talking to people, forget about us working with people. Right. If people are considering like, huh, they're taking stock of their life, right? And there's five things that we need to do as human beings to stay healthy. Just five. You really, you can break life down into five simple steps is you need a plan. You need to know what you're trying to do, which means if you have a plan, now all of a sudden it becomes really important to say, where's that plan derived from? Is it coming from something that you're inspired to do or is it something that you feel pressured to do? Are you doing it to avoid something? Are you doing it to attain something? Are you doing it just to express yourself? Right. But you need a plan and hopefully it's just to express your true nature. Then you need to let it ride. That's where I have trouble, right? Mm -hmm. Going from the planning and doing it that connect to purpose, but then feeling bold enough to just go for it and let it out there for the world to see. Right. Then you need that. Then you need to assess what's going down in your life. What's manifesting? What are the outcomes? You need to know how to take something that is valuable from an experience and retain that to use it and then pass on everything that's not usable or that's garbage, that's residue, so you can release it, right? That's really important to be able to separate that, right? Then you have to actually release your garbage. You have to release it. If you do that, not only do you clear space inside, but you allow everything that you release, you allow all of your, let's just say negative things, you allow them to have the potential to decompose, if you will, so they can become valuable in a different form. And then you need time to just be still, to allow yourself to disconnect from all the ongoings above the surface, all the attachments, all the aspects of life that we've become connected to and we identify with and let ourselves be in that uncertainty so we can gain perspective and replenish so when it's time to go back out and live our life again and live out our purpose, we have something to pull from in a deeper root system. Right. That is all we need in life. But part of that was that release. And so we say people aren't ready. Well, that's fine if your mind's not ready, but you can't bypass it. No. So it's something that has to be done. People come in, it's like, well, you know, I get it, but I don't want to. But when it's time to change, when people say, well, I got to get through this, there's no substitute for releasing what's in there, for allowing stuff to come to the surface. Yeah, you might not feel you're ready. Most people aren't. If you're waiting to feel ready, you're probably never going to release it. Well, right. But you can either be proactive or reactive, right? So no matter what, it's, coming it's out. always <laughs> going to come out. And you know what we always say, like, you know, the, the monster is going to rear its head, you know, it's going to come out sideways. So you can keep all that junk in there as much as you would really like, but the human body, no matter what, I mean, you get a splinter, the human body will reject it if you don't take it out, right? It spits it out. Right. You know, the only difference is- bad food, the human body is going to vomit. Physiologically, it it's going to happen again, right? It's We're not happen. actively playing that role. So it's great. So we can let nature take its course. That's the trust you were talking about before. Like, right. what's that trust? Trusting that that's going to happen. But the difference is we've evolved as human beings to have the capacity to control what we're thinking right. and control what we're allowing. And so emotionally speaking, we've learned to not go through that. We don't want to go through that change process. Because it's ugly. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it will be ugly. It's an ugly process. And in the process, you could end up hurting people, hurting yourself, 
That's the art form. That's the sideways. But if you're proactive about it, then you can at least, you know, not hurt everybody in sight or bulldoze everybody in sight. So that comes to the the whole crux of what we're talking about. And right now this won't be evergreen because it's coming up on Easter. And, you know, I consider myself spiritual. I can read any religious text and I think it's full of amazing guide points to lead us towards that greater connection. And, you know, Easter, obviously, that's Christianity. And that whole story of Jesus dying for everyone's sins, and then three days later, he comes back. And everyone's like, I feel like people use that as like, he's the chosen, like he is the son of God, and he's the Messiah, and therefore, we claim Jesus. To me, I'm like, this story is amazing. But what it's really showing us is the art form of going towards death, allowing it to say that change. Think about it, that's the ultimate change to fear, the ultimate uncertainty. Well, what happens when I die? Well, hang on, but death can be used. And I'm just saying this because I never looked at it this way. Death always meant to me that a living thing dies, but death can be a million different layers. It can be let your emotions die, let your attachments, um, attachments right. all die. Identity. Right. So right. that's, my, that's what I'm saying. Death is leading into transformation, ultimately. And that's what I feel is the beauty of that story of Jesus and the Easter story. If you claim Jesus, great. If it works for you, great. If it doesn't, that's great too. But there is such a juicy magic seed in that story to say it wasn't even someone's calling of like someone wasn't, if you take that story, Jesus wasn't trying to die, but he was at peace with it. And he's still saying, God, how can you do this to me? Or how can you forsake me? Or I don't even know what, don't quote me. I am not, I'm not going to, <laughs> I am not a Bible purist here, but I think there was some crying out. But basically, he was perfectly willing to go through what he was going through and allowing that death to happen. And the story is three days later, boom, transformation. Mm-hmm. You come back. Mm-hmm. That is what is like what you're saying death is not just that physical death. Right. If we can allow ourselves to let go, as scary as it is, and as painful as it is, we will always come out the other side. It's like, this story is amazing. Better. And you'll come Better. out transformed. Right. You will have made it through something. You will have more wisdom, more perspective. Exactly. And that, to me, is the significance of that story. I mean, claim Jesus, don't claim Jesus, but realize that having that faith to allow yourself for your identity to die. I mean, you and I, after 10 years head down building a family, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm identifying as a provider. That's and not I'm me. I'm identifying as a nurturer, mother. Right. And you're like, Adam, I don't even recognize you anymore. Like you used to just, where is that hop in your step, right? And you say the same to me. I right. I don't recognize you anymore. And can we allow those definitions of ourselves that we've I become am. comfortable in and allow it to die? And, you know, we've been doing this for eight months and it is the worst. And I tell my patients, I'm like, listen, I'm not going to try to paint this picture that this is going to be a rosy transition process, what we're going to go through here, but it's essential. Mm -hmm. And if you can do it proactively, like you're saying, instead of reactively, you do it reactively, it comes out sideways. Right. You do it proactively. It's like that building in the middle of New York City. If you can implode it properly, it doesn't have the collateral damage. Right. If you can implode your identity, your attachments, the outcomes of your life that have 
now traumatized you. For you, the fear of not being able to walk, to move, feeling claustrophobic, feeling like you have to stay moving or else you are going to regress. Can you allow that to be there? But now you have to deal with the possibility that you are going to be paralyzed, right? right? I mean, that's what it is. When we're dealing with our worst fears, it's not just like, okay, I'm going to challenge it. It literally feels like you are allowing everything you've been subconsciously or consciously working to avoid. Now you're just going to give up. But yes, that's the point. I mean, that's the story of Jesus, like allowed himself to be put on the cross and be killed. I mean, it's the ultimate, right? If we can allow ourselves to do that, to allow that level of change, allow who we think we are, what we think we need, if we can let that die, we don't die. Our sense of self doesn't die. It's just our ego, our egoic attachment to who we are might die. And hopefully it does. And it allows us to expand to a bigger version of ourselves where we're better. Right. That's the change we're talking about here. There's a yogic practice that you go, you know, a half a day, a day, two days, three days, et cetera. But you start it with a half a day of not saying I am, you know, I am a mom. I am. It's not the verbs, you know, I'm going to the store, but whatever the labels are, you know, that you put yourself on you, you know, I am. Why? I mean, I can't even think of anything right now, but can you help me? (laughs) Well, I am. How about even this? Like I am impulsive. Right. Right. All these. Any definition of ourselves in a good way or a negative way. Exactly. So all those labels, you go half a day. Can you do it? And, you know, as much as I practice yoga, meditation, whatever it is, I literally cannot do this exercise. I've tried it and I have to give up. Because it is a very, very difficult process. Try it. Try it. Um, just for a half a day. I'm different. There's a lot of people out different. there. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> touche. Just There's a lot of people that are like me. I love it when they come in and I get to, you know, work with them. People that deep down, I think it's more people than we think, deep down feel like nothing inside. Uh, Genuinely blank, which immediately then has a label as a negative. It's an absence, right? And to change that, that was a huge one for me to realize that that blankness inside wasn't an emptiness. It wasn't a lack of anything. It was actually the best thing ever. There's a lot of people out there that feel that. And I think once you realize that that's not just an emptiness, but that's actually a heightened place, like when you're trying to meditate and do spiritual practice, you're trying to get to that place where you don't identify as anything. Right. And it's like, if you were given the gift where that's your first attachment to yourself, even though then it gets sullied because the mind comes in and is like, oh, who are we? And then we just scramble for years trying to develop an identity. Right. But who you're coming back to, once you realize it, oh my God, I got to get back there. But you know that place, you know it. And now that it's, you say, it might be scary, but What if that's not a void? What if it's not a vacuum? What if that's the golden ticket? There's a lot of people out there that, like for me, I can show them that. And I can show them that, hey, I have gone through that and I'm coming back to that place. And it's amazing back there now. It's not so scary to say, I am. I know I am. There is no anything after that. Anything after that has something I've tried to conjure up or I've allowed myself to believe. But at the base level, there was nothing in there that I thought I was. Right. And so there's some people out there that it's not as difficult as long as you can position that blankness inside as a safe place. Well, right. You have to go through the process of not having to have a label. Actually, that was one of my biggest obstacles. And I think it's 
many people's biggest obstacles, but, you know, I identified myself as an athlete before my injury. You know, that was all I was. <laughs> that was the only thing I cared about. But then once that was taken away, it's the death of my personality. My whole identity was taken away in a split second. And then having to rebuild an identity, right? So I spent years trying to gain labels at 18 years of age when in fact, had I had some kind of ancient wisdom background, I no, could like, have been, I could have realized I was given a gift that all of my biggest attachment or all of my attachments were just wiped out. But who you'll, knew? you live, you learn. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, that changed to let go of yourself as an athlete, right? Because then it comes down and we're going to talk in a couple of weeks with a guest on loss, on grief, mm-hmm. on, you know, losing loved ones. And part of it is just losing our body, losing our identity and how it's such a positive means for transformation. Again, that change is always positive. It might be destructive to form. It might be destructive to labels, to things that have crystallized, of course, but then you get to connect to what was deeper than that crystallized form, which is always something bigger and safer. Right. And sturdier. And sturdier and more to draw from when you want to then live your life and create. And that's where we're coming to really the ultimate point of today is when we're talking about change and the people that resist it on the front end, people that cling to it on the back end, it to find that sweet spot, to know that I look at it as you need flexibility in life. You can't get too rigid. A young tree has the ability to change direction if need be. If it gets blocked, it goes there. But at the same time, it maintains rootedness. So the integrity stays while it's maintaining flexibility. And then it has to not just be growing. It comes a point where the growth phase is over and it just has to express. And if we can allow that in and out, that kind of flux where we can go inwards, we can allow stillness on the surface to preside allowing ourselves to change from the inside out and have faith and challenge ourselves to sit through the anxious energy or the discomfort, the need to want to move and create and grow, we will be thrust into this next outer expansion. And then if we can allow that change to happen and allow ourselves to feel kind of out of control a little bit, right? Not, you know, it's like jumping in the pool versus going toe by toe. If we can get that, if we can work both ends of change, you become in the flow of life and you allow your life to happen. People end up getting better outcomes. You're freer. You're happier. You're happier. You're freer. Your energy, your personality becomes fuller. Your engagement with life becomes richer and you have more to offer because the stillness that you're allowing allows greater replenishment which then gets baked in to the energy you have to put forth. And the full expression allows your true colors to shine, whatever they are, right? There's no better or worse. It's just you want your true colors to shine because that will attract the appropriate pollinators for whatever's going to be created in your life. And so when it comes down to change, most people resist on either the front end or the back end. And to whoever you are out there, to start practicing leaning into the part you resist. If you're someone who needs to be on the go, start maybe trying to meditate a little bit. Start trying to 
slow down the pace of your activities to start getting comfortable and exploring the stillness or the quieter or the slower parts of life. Don't fill up the schedules. Don't fill up the schedules. Right. Leave some gaps there. And in order to practice that, it becomes kind of essential to release the resistance. When the resistance is too much, it's hard. You know, if I know if I'm trying to meditate and the, my mind is just way too wild, yes, I can still do it and it's just going to be a, I'm going to be thinking the whole time. But I pull out of it and I back up because meditation is a winter practice. And if I know I can't really engage in it, I back up a season, I go to autumn, and I just shake out that resistance in me. And that's when I have my temper tantrum. Ah, I just, I'm so, I got to finish everything. There's so many things to do. Look at this list. How can I do this? And I just let myself vomit out all the things I think are so important that I can't let go of until I exhaust it. When that exhaustion ensues, that's when I'm able to sink into my meditation and to practice. On the other end, if I'm someone that can't let myself go, and I can't just fully engage in life, that's when I say, okay, I'm not going to force it. I'm going to have a release session. I'm going to go and be like, I'm so scared. Oh my God, what happens if? What if this? What if that? What if this? What if that? And I do that until I'm exhausted. And once I'm exhausted, then I say, okay, now Adam, let's go into action mode. We're going to do it. We're going to put out, and yeah, maybe it's going to be a shit product. And if it's a shit product, I'm okay with that because the goal of the exercise is just to put it out there, just to let my energy emit freely in an outward direction. So practice this, lean into it, do the exercise. If you have questions on what you can do to help yourself get more comfortable in the aspects of the cycle that you're having difficulty with, please let us know. We're happy to take individual cases here, but it really becomes formulaic. There is an algorithm to life. Tell people all the time, this is like a Rubik's Cube. There, you look at a Rubik's Cube for my entire life, it was just like random colors. And I was just like, oh my God, it's impossible. The more I mess with it, the messier it gets. And then along comes like a nine-year-old. And it's like, oh no, you got to go up, across, left, right. And then it just works <laughs> out. And you're like, what? And that's how life is. There's a system. There's an approach. And if you follow it, even if it doesn't make sense, your life gets aligned. But you need to know the algorithm, how to live life. There is a flow and, you know, it follows those seasonal changes. So what we're telling you with this change here, whether you have trouble in winter or you have trouble in spring or you're not performing in autumn, getting back in the rhythm and knowing to get back in that order of operation, it's amazing what that does to get people back in the flow of their lives and feeling more in control of living the life they want to live. you have anything to add, Laura? No, I do not. Beautifully said. Okay, well, that is today, and we will see you next week. Until then, nothing but love. Bye.